1: hello everybody welcome to the broadcast podcast uh, today is our second episode talking about what we call the culture war um it's myself tom who's the director of broadcast and tim simmons uh, who's with me at christchurch manchester so tim how are you doing today
0: i'm good thank you thomas i'm good i'm mourning manchester united's appalling weekends against <laughs> man city but that side i'm doing fine
1: cool yeah um last week we started a conversation and we were talking about what we think the culture war is, um, which we're not experts, we're not cultural analysts, um, but we are people who are on the ground working in church, meeting with people uh, and navigating these issues personally and pastorally with others as well. So we batted it around a bit, what have we observed, what have we noticed and we started thinking about how as churches, do we relate to this? And go back and have a listen. It was an interesting conversation. But I think, Tim, we landed somewhere along the lines of we do need to engage, we need to talk about the issues that are polarising people, that are on people's minds, but we don't want to engage in a war. and We're not out to destroy people, we're not out to take people down. We want to love and serve and help people. Would that be where you think we landed as well?
0: I think so. I think it's worth saying we want to engage with our people as we are a church community together. And these issues are dealt with often in pastoral contexts and in the walking of life context, more than the kind of public statement engagement thing, which there is a place for. But you, but for the reason you, how you introduced us, neither are cultural analysts. So flying into big public statements can be, um, can be making more trouble for yourself than you intend. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right.
1: Right, I, I think what you've just said there in that caveat is a really helpful lead into the discussion that I want us to have today because I do want us to think about what does it look like for a church to, to helpfully engage in these issues and, and what kind of um, engagement would be less helpful, let's say. Uh, and since you started off with the big public proclamation, let's start with with that because sometimes when it comes to culture war, It seems to me, and maybe I'm totally misreading it, but it seems to me that a lot of it is posturing on social media and people making big statements for the reaction they get for making those statements more than doing things that are actually helpful and move the world forward in a positive way. Um, And this is a danger for churches as well. We have our views, we have our issues, we have our our things that, I guess different church leaders will prioritise different Questions and issues more highly and less highly than others. But when it's stuff that you care about, there is that desire. I I find a desire to make everyone know this is what I think, this is where I'm at. Aren't I better than all the other people who don't think the same thing as me? So I'm going to make my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, uh, all about those things, which um, many of us do, and it's not that helpful. Um, And then when it comes to church accounts as well, there can be. A question or a pressure sometimes for a church to engage these issues not just as individual leaders on personal accounts but on church platforms as well um what, what's your experience with this? Have you seen it done well? I, I know you um, start about warning us against the the unhelpfulness of it, but do, do you think there's ever a place for for these kind of positional statements
0: um I think there are people who are who are just gifted at that stuff um from a a communication point of view i think there's a that they have grace from god to be able to talk about things and enter into debates in a way that works I, I think actually some people there are some people out there who are good at that stuff um and can do it in quite winsome ways i think that group of people is quite small um and it is hard to do um and i would always ask um whose heart are you trying to win um so yeah that so I th- I think it, I mean, if you think in public that kind of the social media side of things I think I think when you're right in your description There, there can be it can be quite easy to posture and for us to you know kind of flex I suppose this are my <laughs> these are my kind of social justice muscles that I'm putting onto social media um and I'm yeah tis unconvincing. I, I, Having said that, I think there is a lot of scope for using that stuff for actually organising people and you know making change and um, to actually put a message out where you can actually do something effective. So I think there is a place for that as well. I think that in these things we have to know our heart, we have to know our gifting and, and what we're good at um, before we do that. And then there's the kind of the what we, the the public stuff you do in your own sort like, of like preaching on Sundays, I suppose mm. and. The messages you put out there, um, and again, I think there are some preachers who are very gifted at dealing with really tricky, difficult things in ways that is respectful and honouring, but is clear. And again, I think it's it's hard to do, and that group is relatively small. And the people who are outside of that group need to be honest about where they are. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's my my first thoughts.
1: Yeah, um, I'll come back to the preaching point in a little bit so I think it's yeah. worth spending a bit of time on that. Um, But just thinking on the social media side of it, like an example that pops straight to my mind is back a a year or so ago when everything kicked off over George Floyd. um, And that was a a big storm in terms of people becoming more aware of racial justice issues. Um, The issues weren't new issues around George Floyd. They'd been going on for a long time. But the public conversation around them really ramped up and a lot of people who hadn't got the issues before were starting to get it and social media was a place that a lot of that conversation was happening and as a church at CCM we were pretty quick to to get involved in terms of our social media now that wasn't the only thing we did by any means we had lots of conversations about how are we doing as a church on race stuff how are we bringing people through how are we being representative and thinking in-house so it wasn't that social media was the sum total of our response. But we were quick to to engage. We did the um, kind of black square for a profile picture like a lot of other organizations did. And I noticed that there were others who, different churches or different organizations that just hadn't engaged on social media at all around it. They'd still been using social, they'd been plugging their events or doing what they do, but had ignored The question that everyone was talking about and it struck me that not saying something sometimes says more than saying something does and that's a a tough line to walk what do you think about that
0: yeah it was interesting i I think there are a lot of there are a couple of elements to it we were thinking about the people with already in our church who are black asian minority ethnic groups Uh, we were we were thinking what what do they what would they like (laughs) us to do Um, and so we, you know, we talked, um, with them, uh, and so they, I think they felt an online response was appropriate and that actually in that moment, and I don't think it's true in every moment, but in that moment to not say something was, you know, to not even acknowledge what was going on and the mood at the time, um, yeah like you said would have said a huge amount um, and yeah. so for us but we all of us i think we felt we can't just put up a square and that be it so we did a number of reviews and i've made a number of changes even thinking like we'd run two um uh, training schools don't we school of theology school of ministry and we we when we're inviting speakers we think really hard now about representation in that and um, wanting to be trained from people who come from a different world view to us um and we you know which is you know it's not, made it more difficult to run those courses actually um but has been was a very good thing i think so it's um yeah did I, I feel like I got a bit lost in the question. Though. No, that's
1: fine. I mean, I mean, we're still a long way from where we want to be on that stuff as well. Yeah, like, it yeah, wasn't sure. like we snapped our fingers and, and got there. But the kind of questions we're asking are, are more than just what can we say that articulates a position. It's, it's what can we do. It's it's how can we change as well. But, um, yeah, it, it was, I, I guess, reflecting on how do we know then? Because you, you you agreed with what I said that sometimes not saying something is louder than saying something it fails to acknowledge what's going on Um, I guess other times the opposite is true and other times that um, when you say something that is actually cutting against what popular opinion might be or not judging the moment that that is the really helpful response how do you know when of those moments that making that proclamation serves well how do you know when you're, you're kind of doing something that's unhelpful maybe or or maybe it is helpful sometimes to go on your own and to to say something that not everybody's saying but you think is important enough to need saying like what's the process for a church leader who's weighing this i don't know the answer but just teasing it out a little bit
0: i i mean no it is a difficult one i think last year 2020 there just seemed to be loads of those sorts of things didn't there there was the the george floyd there was the sarah everard thing as well um and I think we realized and unintentionally perhaps that we needed a number of voices to speak into that who weren't all white men (laughs) in their forties. And I think we realized that actually that often we make those decisions, uh, those kind of, even the, what goes on social media decisions Mm -hmm. um, on that basis. And so with a group of us who have a very similar worldview and upbringing and all sorts of stuff, it would mean that, that we would be judging any moment that was happening from that perspective. So, um, and I, I think, so I, we, I have noticed that we all work harder to make sure that we hear from a wide range of voices in our own church. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? What We're thinking about doing this. What mm-hmm. do you think? What would you rather us do? Um, so I, I think in terms of judging the moment, we we try to do that where we can. Um, and also there's a bit of an awareness that the media narrative now is built around these big moments um, where we can all emotionally respond. It's the kind of yeah. Princess Diana syndrome, isn't it? And there is that kind of outpouring thing. Um, and to realise actually almost all of them have disappeared within a week or two. Um, not all of them. Some really break through. So I think the George Floyd thing, Sarah Everard thing, actually really broke through um, and will we'll be around for a lot longer kind of working out the the detail of that um and so you there does have to be wisdom in knowing what you're going for as a church as well i think you can't always you can't react to every moment um because otherwise we spend the whole time in emotional reaction which is not a mature way of dealing with these things is it
1: yeah yeah i agree um i I think what you said earlier was really helpful about you know we try to serve the people who who are part of our church um and that's who we've got in mind. So when we're putting a black square on social media, or when we're reacting to, to what happened with Sarah Everard, we, we've not got in mind an audience that's kind of some out there group of people who we think we need to say this to show that set of people we don't know, who we've not got a relationship with, but this is what kind of people we are. That's not what it's about. What, what it's about is... We're called to serve this group of people, this community, and then there's a fringe around that who who know of us, who we're in relationship with, who we're we're hoping we'll meet with Jesus and become Christians. This group of people who we're in relationship with, they've got certain things going on in their minds, and as they walk through life, many of the days, what's going on in their minds are, you know, this is my family situation. This is a problem that I've got at work. This is. Um, you know a a feeling of loneliness Or this is a mental health issue this is a physical health issue that i'm struggling with and a lot of the time what we're primarily wanting to do to serve people is helping show how the story of jesus connects with all of these things that are front of mind sometimes because of the the bigger narrative that's going on when we ask the question like you know what what is in the minds of our people today sometimes it is actually racial justice is front of mind for a lot of people today um now for some people that's because it's their experience day in day out and it's front of mind all of the time for other people it's been provoked by events and mm. in those moments when that's the question people are bringing it's quite appropriate to think well what does the story of jesus and uh, the biblical narrative have to say to this mm. Uh, when we're speaking into an issue that we might have a bee in our bonnet about but it's not front of mind in our people then that's a different question I guess and that might be a, a good gauge for where the moment is so I don't know what, what, what do you think
0: yeah no I think you might be right I think for most churches if you're thinking about all of your public pronouncements whether it's on a podcast or social media or that actually almost every church has a very small audience that are going to hear what's said. And most, almost all of it is people within your church and perhaps their social media connections. So, and I, I would say that for most churches, that's the case. So when you make these public pronouncements in reality, most of the time you are announcing it to your own people. And perhaps if they share it on their networks, if they want to Uh, and even then you have to be real about how many of your own people actually look at this stuff and uh, are engaged in in it on a from a social media point of view so it's a um that i think with it there does need to be a big dose of reality about what public pronouncements can achieve um but i think you're right thinking about your own people and how we help them to process the world and actually you know be sort of light in it as well do do good stuff in the place and preserve and uh, make it better then i think we need to be helping them to do that as much as we do the public pronouncement stuff if not more yeah
1: yeah let's kind of move from the public then to to how we do help people do yeah. that processing which i mean preaching is a part of it isn't it we we want to teach into Um, lots of different issues. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Because some people would take a a view of the right way to preach is you pick a book of the Bible, you preach every passage in that book of the Bible till you're finished. Then you pick another book of the Bible, you preach every passage in that. And by doing that, the strength is that you're letting God's word set the agenda, you're letting uh, what you do not be just kind of your own issues that you want to bring, but what God's spoken about. I guess the downside of it is sometimes for the questions that people are asking, a biblical answer might not come from one specific passage, but might come from tracking a thread through a number of different Bible passages that that speak in. And when we're talking about these front of mind questions so these could be the the social justice things that we're talking about um stuff to do with climate stuff to do with race you know there's numbers of things stuff to do with um you know gender and things like that when people are asking these questions and we do want to teach into it do you think there's a place for taking time out of not going through books of the bible to say we're just going to deep dive into this stuff or do you think it's just a diet of Bible book, Bible book, Bible book, and by time the worldview will be formed that can process it? I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: It does, yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is the assumption that if you go just work through the books, only the Bible will speak from that. Um, when actually most preachers, even if they're working through just working through books, their own agendas for things tend to come out in the They'll They will find a way. Um, for that book to represent their view or, or they will go to books that they know do represent that anyway. So it, you know, I, it, so, I, so it depends on you. I, I mean, I think, uh, as we approach it, we, you know, I think we do both, don't we? I mean, we'll, we'll go through a whole book of the Bible uh, and we're asking the question, we're asking what do people want help with, um, um, want questions asking of, Uh, kind of answering sorry and but we're also thinking what's god saying how can we lead people in that and so we do both things when we're preaching um so as in all of these things you probably need a number of different approaches to to really help your people to mature and grow using that the preaching element of it yeah
1: yeah i I mean i think we've got um a, a situation where sometimes people are asking the right questions and what we're trying to do with a sermon is help give them biblical answers to those questions and sometimes people are not asking the right questions and not asking questions that they should be asking and sometimes what we want to do from preaching is help them understand a new set of questions to ask that weren't on their radar before which i guess is your your point on what is god saying sometimes god's saying get your eyes on this thing that right now it's not on. um so i think there is there is something there um i was always when i was first trained about preaching one of the things that stuck with me was you should keep politics out of preaching and you know i can picture churches and in my head the pictures are in america but i'm sure it happens all over the place where where churches basically are the the spiritual wing of a particular political party yeah. and it's quite awkward sometimes seeing the teaching that comes out of those kind of churches where it, it seems a stretch to get from the biblical text to this political position that seems a bit stronger than Jesus even in, in people's minds and um, I, I guess there are less full-on versions of that as well where politics has um, just kind of dominated a little bit more. Um, I even remember around Brexit seeing christian arguments in favor of remain christian arguments in favor of leave and everyone I read felt quite tenuous like the stuff that you were saying from the bible that supported your position seemed like it was stretched pretty thin to get there and it was actually more this is just what you prefer and you're just yeah. trying to use your faith to to buttress it a bit so i've always been really wary about politics and preaching coming together but what we've been talking about in recent weeks so the episodes we did on young people last week on culture war is these politics and questions they're exactly what people are asking they're exactly what a lot of young people have on their minds now and some of them are not like brexit where you've got to really strain to get the bible to say anything to them but some of them are pretty clear that the bible has things on them so I'm reevaluating a little bit now. The, these things do need to come in, but how do you do it in a way that's not political, or, or can you do it in a way that's that's not political? Like, do you think there is still a safeguard on that? Does that question make any sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I don't know if I have any meaningful answer to it. I, I mean, I think party politics is bad news on a <laughs> on a Sunday in in teaching in your churches. Um, any sort of kind of in your community group material, whatever you do, even in your, your discipleship, I think going going for party politics is a is a bad idea um, and just divisive, um, even if well-intentions. And I think we should vote and we should, you know, people can be tied to parties and agree with ideologies and be brothers and sisters in the same church. I think that's important. Uh, I mean, you could quite successfully argue that Jesus was highly political, wasn't he? And just the, the yeah. way he said, Things where he said things who he was aiming his comments at and you know his view on taxation and all sorts of stuff it, it all kind of comes through doesn't it so i i think as we have to believe that we're meant to engage in the world and make the world better by being spirit-filled bible-believing christians who love jesus and want to do the best we can in our lives and so there's this it. therefore there is politics isn't there there is Just in that, there's theology in daily life and there's politics in daily life. So um, I I think we have to help people to be disciples in everything that they encounter. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I mean, as I was thinking about it a little bit, I I, I was trying to work out what's made me nervous about it when you're right, it's it's a thing that Jesus did engage in. And I, I think most people who want to talk politics have quite a a fixed framework of what they want to talk about so they'll they'll have an issue and within that issue they'll define this is the problem with the issue here's a number of things that would solve that problem and then it might then align to a particular party that agrees with that assessment of the world yeah and usually when i think about what they're doing i sometimes think okay you've, you've defined a problem here and i think the way you've defined the problem is it's kind of correct but i i think when i read the bible i've got a different way of articulating what the problem is i think there are different causes that are in play that you've not accounted for in your political description of the problem and therefore when we look at what the solutions are I think going right back to what's the biblical grounding for the problem here then outworks into a different chain of logic to reach solutions that may have a lot of overlap with what the people in politics want to say. Probably will have a bit of difference as well and a nuanced, different way of applying it. Um, So when we think about an issue like, um, let's say, climate change, um, people will talk about how how that issue plays out in terms of you know numbers of degrees and things that people are doing and temperature but we have a story that starts with God making a world that was good and giving human beings a responsibility to steward that world and the abdication of that responsibility and uh, we, we've got a different way of telling the story that I think gives a richer framing of That Mm. particular problem. The same would be true in numbers of the problems that people want to articulate, Mm. and therefore we've got a much more helpful and holistic story to tell, which is exactly what Jesus did on the taxation issue. He didn't just get into debates on, you know, the the merits or demerits of Israelites paying taxation to Rome. He got into the idea of, you know, the image of God, whose image is on this coin well, Caesar's, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Where's the image of God? It's people, so mm. give your hearts to God. And he reframed it from the theology of Genesis chapter 1. And I wonder if, as we want to teach into stuff, where we need to be careful is accepting the framing of them from either left or right on the political spectrum, because then it feels like we're just getting into this polarised culture war game. But so, okay, there's a big area here, but let's really dig into what the biblical roots of this is, the biblical thread. So so we're framing it differently. We're telling a different story. And uh, I heard someone using a different context the phrase, a better story, which is mm. exactly what we're trying to do on some of these issues. And I think when we do that, they feel a little bit less politics-y than yes. the stuff that has historically put me off.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And in all you said there, the, the underlying thing is you're trying to point people to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yeah. And when we get to when people get to that point and God works in them and they give their lives to Jesus and He becomes Lord and Savior, then how we approach the world should radically change. And how we approach any number of issues comes out of our hearts being for Jesus. Yeah. And so then you you know then that you could come up with lots of different solutions to different problems and arguments to different things that you you can have a different one to somebody else who's become a Christian giving their heart to Jesus I mean so it's um yeah yeah so I think you're absolutely right Tom I thought it was a good summary
1: yeah and I think the same thing then ties into the the personal discipleship side of it as well so it's not just a thing about publicly preaching but when we're meeting with someone one-on-one what what are we aiming for Mm. well it's not primarily to shift someone's political thinking although that might be the upshot of it it's to get people's hearts connected with god to get them walking faithfully and radically as disciples to process all of their life through that lens and then let that work out as it does as god leads them
0: yeah no absolutely
1: very good cool um I think that's a really helpful set of thoughts for me as I just kind of engage in this more and think about what to do with it and um, do you have anything else that you want to bring on this idea of engaging with these kind of culture war issues before we wrap this
0: up? Uh, I think the overarching thing is uh, do we help people to look to Jesus or do we put them off uh, and I don't think church can be all things to all people at all and I think we need to be uh, bold and brave and stand up for uh, stand up for justice where the you know there are people who can't stand up for themselves and sometimes that there is a there is a public pronouncement part to that but ultimately it's are we helping people to find jesus and i think a lot of the time it, it's worth that's the first point of call um and, and i guess that's the brave thing isn't it and the faith thing in in those big moments perhaps where things are happening in the world and we are people are looking for us to respond and react then that's the first question to ask if we have if we should respond how do we how do we help people find jesus even if it's a a nod in that direction um so i I think that's the best place to start instead of thinking i've got boxes to tick um, because that's a bit pharisee in a funny Mm -hmm. way isn't it it's Mm -hmm. legalism often but actually thinking what what is god doing in this moment what how do we fit into his plans i think is um is a better way of thinking about things which is what you've been saying tom
1: yeah great well thanks for taking the time to chat about this today tim um i'm gonna leave it there but if if anyone's got any further thoughts or questions or stuff around this hit us up on twitter at @broadcastcp. and we'd love to carry on the conversation with you see you next time